Under the Influence Podcast is all about bringing together brands, influencers, thought leaders, and communities to inspire and empower a positive impact. Each week, I will dive into the power of influence over the ever-changing, trend-chasing, and slightly obsessed entrepreneurial and influencer community. We talk insider tips, tricks, the latest buzz, and even our top not-so-secret happy hour cocktails. My name is Whitney Eckes. I'm the owner and founder of Eckes Marketing and the Influence Movement. And we are about to get under the influence. Hi guys, welcome back to the show. Today I have Chase Cromwell on from Cromwell Home Group. He is an amazing real estate agent. He's actually somebody that we've had mutual friends with. We've had mutual connections with. I see your face all over East County. You kind of dominate this region. You have a really amazing story. You have this awesome kind of family feel on your Instagram. I love your wife and kids. I feel like I totally stalk you guys on Instagram. I love it. And today we're going to be talking a little bit about this, your journey through being an entrepreneur to really launching your real estate business, you know, kind of this journey that you started with. So how did you begin? You, you kind of chatted that you've been with your wife since you were 16. Yeah. So, tell so us about- um, it kind of started when I was young. I never knew where, you know, what I wanted to do. I didn't want to go to college, even though I did go because my parents wanted me to, you know, and it was, they paid for it to go. So I never finished. I did go for seven years throughout my earlier years in life. I had met my wife now, but she was my girlfriend in eighth grade when we were 12 years old. We ended up getting back together you when we were, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know it's crazy. People just kind of trip out. So we went through like a little, you know, phase where we were broken up and then got back together in high school. And, uh, so when I was 15 years old, my dad, I kind of come from like this good old boy family. My dad was like, you're not going to stay home. You're not going to play video games. You're either going to be in sports or you're going to work. So I worked. And, uh, when I was 15, I started cleaning cars, which, you know, against all the odds when you're 15 years old, you don't have a license. It's a wash bucket and getting dropped off by your dad (laughs) to his buddy's houses and making cash here and there. So my work ethic started at a young age. My dad would wake me up when I was 13 years old during the summer and four o'clock in the morning, we'd go like, we did all the Dana Inn hotel underground. I was out there yesterday on the water. Wow. And somebody's like, what hotel is that? I'm like, gosh, I was 13, 14 years old. And I was the traffic kid out there and I was watering all the sand for compaction. So that's kind of how it started for me working early. And so when I was 15, I started the detail business. And obviously when I was 16, my dad kind of set me up with my own rig where I was able to mobilize that, go off and do my own thing. And it was something that I owned for 13 years. And, wow. uh, you know, throughout that time, I always kept it cause it was a, it was a, you know, bread maker for me. I learned so many other things along the way and I had a background in construction. So I did things like building decks, patios, balconies. I mean, to get through college, you know, I, I it was just a grind. I wasn't one of those kids that, you know, uh, looked forward to waking up every morning to see where the next party was. It was like, where's the next buck coming from? Wow. So totally kind of money driven. I don't know if I would say so much money driven more than I would. Cause my dad, the type of person he is, is like, 
he's like a hard man, you know what I mean? So he's hard to impress. (laughs) So for me, it was more about like, what kind of man could I be the next day? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, putting myself in situations that really sucked, you Mm -hmm. know, when you're 18 years old and everybody's planning on going to a party or going to the river and you got to wake up the next day and clean 40 big rigs and 50 trailers. You know what I mean? So I used to think of my dad when it came to that, it's like, what, what would he do? You know what I mean? Even though I know that I, I probably could have spent some more time hanging out with my buddies, but I chose to work a lot. So then you had, you kind of, me and you were kind of chatting before this and you had, you were telling me that you had five jobs. You were juggling five jobs when you were also juggling this real estate business. Yeah. So when I took the step into real estate, I was 27. So we'll back up a little bit. I was 24 when I had my first child and it was my daughter. And so, you know, things were tight for me and my wife. We bought our house when we were 23 years old. We were both in college. We were, you know, we barely made it like every, our biggest struggle in life. Everybody always has a struggle. Our biggest struggle was finances. Even though we both worked really hard, we would end each month with like 20 bucks in our bank account. Like that's not a joke. And we did that for like five years with three kids. It was, it was super hard, but it was a really good learning process. Throughout that time, I did construction and I loved the hard labor, intense work of it. Mm -hmm. Like I loved coming home tired. I just loved it. You know, it wasn't enough money to make that, you know, it sounds like a lot, but 30 bucks an hour when you're, when you're providing for a family and have a mortgage and car payments, it wasn't enough. So I had to keep my detail business. So I'd get off work at, you know, five, six o'clock at night and I'd go clean three or four cars to make a couple extra hundred bucks each day to keep the income rolling. And so we were, you know, barely make it by really. So then it got to a point to where I was like, Oh my gosh, I got to do something different. You know, I reached out to the real estate agent that I bought my house from Sandra Brown. She was like an icon agent in East County. (laughs) Everybody knew she was. I feel like I know who she is. I feel like I've heard that name. Your dad probably bought properties from her. (laughs) But she's like, come, come work for me. So I told my dad, I'm like, listen, I'm going to get my real estate license. You and I, we're going to get out of construction because it was just, it tears you up. Yeah. And we're going to start flipping houses. And Well, and the physical labor of construction is pretty intense, right? Like you, it actually like wears on your body. It wears on your mentality. Yeah. I've had 30 broken bones. Like Stop. No, that's serious. So <laughs> I would wake up every day from working construction and I could barely walk. And that sounds oh. sickening, but it's yeah. the truth. And I'm not a sissy boy. So mm-hmm. like, I would never say anything. Mind you, know? you guys, he's sitting here. He's completely tatted yeah. from like the neck down, both arms. Like you look like a tough guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just grew up that way, you know? And yeah. so complaining wasn't really a thing, but I knew I couldn't, I couldn't do it forever. I see the wear on my dad. It was stressful for him. So my thought was getting into real estate was going to be like my chance to help us get out. And, you know, you see all these shows on TV, all these guys are making, killing, flipping houses. So I was like, Oh, my dad's the smartest guy. I know we're going to get into real estate. We're going to kill it. I remember the day I told my dad, we just finished uh, working at the Del Mar fairgrounds. We did all the drainage, all the underground pipe, for the horse stables out there. So we did like a couple miles of pipe and my dad went off to Arkansas to get his license to fabricate guns. And he came back. I'm like, dad, I'm, I got my license. I'm, I'm quitting. We're going to do it. He was so upset. It hurt, you know, it hurt me to hurt him. And so I got into real estate. I went 
I knew that I, I, I was told by my mentor, Sandra, she's like, you have to keep a job when you get into real estate. It just doesn't fire off like yeah. that. And everybody expect expects overnight success in real estate. They think that they're going to come in and be a millionaire in one year, or they're going to sell, you know, even my expectations, I thought I was going to sell 16 homes my first year. I sold 10, which I did pretty good for my first year, but it's definitely not, you know, what you think it is. So during that time, you know, my wife still didn't have a job and, uh, we, I kept my, I kept, I went back to detailing. I picked it back up recreated all my clientele, started using that as my networking. And every time somebody asked me about cleaning car, I would pass out my real estate card every time, you know, along with that, I, if somebody mentioned, I'm the type of guy, like if somebody says, can you do this? Or do you know somebody that can do it? I always say I can do it. Mm-hmm. So there'd be times like people like, I need a, I need a deck built. Can you build a deck? I'd always be like, yeah, <laughs> I'll figure it out. Trust yeah. me. I, if it has to do with making enough money to pay my bills, I'll figure it out. Oh my gosh. So, yeah. I mean, I've painted interior, exterior of luxury homes. You know, I would hire my own crew, learn the trade, do it myself, get through it, make the money, bounce to the next job. Yeah. You know, still do my detailing on the weekends. And then I would still help my dad because he still needed help um, with his work. I would do that on the weekends or every other week or whatever mm-hmm. while selling real estate. So, that was a struggle, major hustle, along with all the other things, you know, my construction experience. And I, I attended a church called Grace Church San Diego in North Park, and they were looking for a facilities guy. And uh, a facilities guy is the guy that like maintains all the broken stuff or okay. builds or fixes things. And, and you're like, I can do all of it. <laughs> I took, I, again, I took it on and yeah. the pay was so little, but in my heart, it was good to give back. And, uh, it it was nice, but it was part of an income. I just, I added everything up that I possibly could to equal a certain amount, you know, so I could budget my real estate and my personal living life. And, uh, it took me four years. So three and a half years, cause I'm five years in that real estate to feel comfortable enough to quit it all and be full-time in real estate, which is what I do now. So you really did have this kind of like, I don't want to say, yeah, I guess your real estate business was kind of like your side hustle for a little bit, right? Like that's what you wanted to make your main thing. And then it took some time. Mm -hmm. So what, when was the point where you were like, okay, now I'm, now I'm ready to step into this real estate business and kind of let go of these other jobs. Like when was that kind of breaking point? I think what got me there was when I started seeing repeat clients, like people coming back and then referrals. The more calls and leads I would get a week and, you know, it got to a point to where I was comfortable enough to sell two homes a month, basically. So 24 homes a year is when I uh, was like, okay, I think I can take a step back from every, everything else. Yeah. This is enough income to manage my business and, you know, do my thing. Mind you guys, like when I was struggling those five years, we made my family and I made a huge sacrifice up in Alpine. Um, we lived in a neighborhood with a 1500 square foot home nice little, you know, starter home is beautiful, but we could not afford it. We were just over our head and I could not, I couldn't get ahead in real estate. I couldn't get ahead in anything. So what I did is my wife was in labor with our third child Forrest. Oh my gosh. I was just got my real estate license. I found this vacant piece of land in Alpine that was almost four acres and it had an old rundown barn on it. And I drove my wife 
um, before the hospital to this property. She's screaming at me. She's crying. She's like, you need to take me to the hospital. My contractions are too close. And you took her to see Yeah. And so I took her to this property and I said, babe, when you get out of the hospital, I'm selling our house and I'm buying this house. And she's in labor. Yeah. So she's completely upset and she's She's not happy with me about this. Perfect timing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. She kept telling me no. She's like, we're not doing it. What are you going to do? This place is full of trash. It's a barn. It has dirt floors. Yeah. There's nothing to live in. It's two horse stalls and a breezeway. And I'm like, we can make it happen. This is going to be my only way that I'm going to be able to get ahead. So we got home. I listed the house two weeks after we got home. I, ta- I drew up on the napkin, what I was going to do to this barn. Right. Oh my gosh. And my wife being as supportive as she is for me, uh, she's, she gave me the green light. So we talked to her brother, her brother was God sent her brother and his wife. And they let us move in with them right down the street oh for like eight months. So I sold the house, got, took this barn, me and my dad basically built the whole thing from the ground up ourselves. We jacked it up off the ground, um, with I beams and all kinds of crazy stuff. And we broke out all the old footing, re-poured it, set it down, added onto it, made the old barn stalls into bedrooms. And the breezeway was our kitchen and our living room. Wow. So when everything was all said and done, I was like $300,000 into this house on four acres. And my mortgage was 1200 bucks a month. So right off. Stop it. Yeah. So right off the bat, we went from like $2,700 a month of mortgage and house payments to 1200 bucks. So that was like my kickstart to sacrifice. We lived in a thousand square feet, ended up being a place where we had five kids in. So they all shared a room, which was super cool. But that was like the main point of sacrifice. Everybody I think has some sort of sacrifice to make for success. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I was having this conversation with my mom the other day. Sometimes the hardest thing to do in your life is probably the best thing to do. Wow. And that's what we did, you know, as a family. So, you know, fast forward three years later, now we built a beautiful 3,300 square foot home on that same lot up top. And now all my kids have their same room. So I love it. Wait, yeah. so what happened with the barn? It's my rental now. It's my granny flat. So I've got no my first way. investment. Yeah. Wait, that's so, kind of so cool. That's yeah. like such a, like a look at where you've come from to where you're at yeah. now kind of thing. So my son that my wife was, was in labor with mm-hmm. just turned five Saturday and me and my wife were sitting down oh. in his bed and she was like five years ago, literally to this day is when we talked about buying this property. So in five years, I built two homes on this property just through crazy (laughs) sacrifice and a lot of hard, hard work. And uh, most importantly, a lot of support from my wife because managing like the family Mm -hmm. is much harder than, you know, you know, trying to work and make money and stuff like that. So, yeah. and is she currently, cause I know you said at one point she was a stay at home mom and she's still, a she is still a stay at home mom wow. for our first two. She worked at Nordstrom. She was a manager in TBD. So she was, she missed out a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, she missed my daughter's first steps and you know, that made her super sad. Oh. So when that happened, we're like, okay, enough's enough. We're going to, we're going to turn this off and yeah. struggle for a little bit, eat top ramen and have a $30 limit at the grocery store. I mean, store. look at where you guys are at now. That's, yeah. I mean, that's, so let me ask you, you know, while you're going through all this, you know, and I, I can't imagine how big of a, you know, part that family played into this, but what was the passion that kept you motivated? That kept like, even on your hardest days of like, is this even going to work? What, what was kind of the underlying? Gosh, uh, obviously my family. I mean, mm-hmm. 
and I, I have four boys. So just like seeing how much they like work. Yeah. And I, I was the same way with my dad. I idolized my dad. You know what I mean? Even though it's hard to work with your family, I still idolize his work ethic and you know what he did for us. I remember when we were kids, like just him getting up early and coming home late. I mean, I'm sure with your dad, yeah, it was the same thing. Look at you. You're successful. And <laughs> oh. it, it kind of stems from like what, like how you were brought up, how you were raised, what you got to look at every day. So yeah. that was something that crossed my mind. Like I was driven to make sure that every day my kids saw me get up and work and wow. provide. And my wife always made sure they were, you know, thankful for that. And I am the same for, for them to be that way with my wife right. because she's such a good mom. So, well, and that's not an easy task to raise those boys and five kids and stay at home and, you know, raise them right. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. It's a lot of work. It, there's nothing like it. I can tell you that all the moms out there, trust me, like my hat is tipped to you guys. <laughs> I can't do it. You leave me home with the kids for a day and I'm, I mean, I feel like I'm in some of the most stressful situations. I woke up this morning and lost an escrow and I want to throw up. You know what I mean? <laughs> I will yeah. take a lost escrow over having to watch my kids for a week or something like that. It's crazy. <laughs> Seriously. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's incredible, but I love the dynamic that you and your wife have. And I like that, you know, you talk about it like you guys are a team, Yeah, Big you time. know, yeah. and that's really like kind of honoring to both of you, right. Yeah. That you both kind of have your areas where you excel in. And like you said, you, you know, you kind of partner with her to raise these kids, but then you're also like, but I want to make sure that they see what dad's doing. They see that I'm waking up and working every single day. I mean, for our belief system, what we believe in and what drives us every day is, you know, obviously honor your mother and your father, you know, mm -hmm. raise your kids. Right. But most importantly, it is put to put your husband and your wife first. Yeah. And so, you know, she's my partner. I'm her partner. So I, I don't like to say this because it's a really hard thing to grasp for a lot of people. Totally. But my wife comes before my kids. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's just the way it goes. And my kids know that. So any slack that they give her, they get they hear from me. They're getting disciplined. And the same goes for when they do it to me, mom steps in. Wow. So we are a team together yeah. because that team lasts forever, right? And yeah. the kids eventually grow up and you raise them to go off and do their own thing and mm -hmm. and be the people that you hope for them to be, the best person they can be. But you know, in the end, you still have that partner. You know I what I mean? That. It never goes away. I mean, so. that's so, you know, what's really funny is I was actually talking, I think I was talking with Molly about it. And it's funny. She's coming in for a podcast episode today mm -hmm. too, but we were talking about how there's kind of this factor where when you're in a business, right? She does escrow, you do real estate. Mm -hmm. I run my marketing agency. It's really important who your partner is. Mm -hmm. It's really important who you date or who you talk to. And a lot of people don't talk about that, especially in business. They don't talk about having that either emotional support or that relationship support. And so how, I mean, tell us a little bit about that, because I feel like she played a really big role in helping you and the sacrifice and she was supportive. I think that's like a lost relational thing. Yeah. Everybody's so selfish nowadays. I hate to say it, but it's so yeah. true. Everybody's like my time, me, you know, I, I, we've got friends that are like, he got to do this. Now I get to do that. Me and my wife don't play that game. Mm. It's like, Hey, do what you want to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. We don't give each other grief about it no. and we don't care who does what more. It just, you know, we're a team. We're supportive at whatever, whatever we want to do. 
But most importantly, so if I have anything to say for me and my wife, at least it's, we always try and make each other laugh every day. <laughs> and that's really hard to do. You know what I mean? Cause I have really bad days and I'm a yeah. grouch. She's not, oh. but, um, most of the time it happens. It's most of the time it's at her expense. Like I tease her, but, um, <laughs> anyway, she still gets a kick out of it because I start laughing. So, so. she's got a good sense of humor. She's so passive. Yeah. Trust me. But yeah. And communicating is key. Like we always talk. I do not sweep things under the rug. If there's an issue, like I will pry it out of my wife. If I see that she, and some women don't like this, Mm -hmm. you know, and I know my wife doesn't like it, but she appreciates it Mm -hmm. after it's done. Mm -hmm. Something will be bothering her and she won't say anything about it. If I see something's bothering her, I will pry her until it's, she tells me and she feels good about it. And I support her and I, I, I make her talk to me about it. You know, I feel like women are kind of like that. I don't want to generalize women. I'm not, yeah. but I feel like it, we're very more like, it's fine. I'm not going to like, I'm not going to talk about it. I'm going to like let myself deal with it. But then those things build up and then it explodes and it's a mess. And it's, so that's it a can good get thing. Crazy. I mean, yeah. I had three sisters growing up. Trust me. I, oh, so you know, I know, <laughs> but, uh, I think like the best form of communication for sure is listening. So if there's a time that I can, I can listen to my wife, I'll do it every time. Gosh, you know, you know for I mean? all the male listeners out here, I hope you guys are taking this home because this is great, well, great advice. I mean, I'm, trust me, I'm by no means perfect, but I, I know what works for me and my wife and that, that does, yeah, you know, absolutely. So, so let's kind of dive into real estate. Okay. So I, me and you were kind of chatting and we're seeing this kind of trend now of real estate groups, real estate agents really taking to social media. And there's even been kind of this new movement where you're seeing real estate agents kind of double as almost influencers, right? They're right. kind of these opinion leaders. They're selling through social media. Tell us your take on that being in the real estate game. So I'm kind of new to it. Like yeah. before, five years ago, I didn't have a Facebook. I was so... <laughs> This is all really, really new to me. So I'm starting to see like after meeting you and meeting Molly and talking about like, Hey, you need to build your followers. as part of networking. And I'm like thinking to myself like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. There's just something that I never touched on. I'm more Mm -hmm. of like a sphere guy. And then I see all these people that, you know, are, are influencing other people. Mm -hmm. And it's like a brilliant idea. So for me, I'm new to it, but we're focusing like our team, we're focusing on, building our followers, but organically and, uh, not in a fake way. I'm super raw. I'm super real. Mm -hmm. Um, so I post a lot about my kids. I post a lot about what I do for my clients, which is half the time, you know, digging up septic tanks. And, but that's what, that's why I was like saying, like, it's so intriguing to follow you because you do, you know, for, for our, for our generation, that's constantly like kind of online and on social media to see that you're still kind of that straight, like handshake kind of guy. Mm -hmm. And, but to showcase that on social media is brilliant. Like working with your hands is kind of like a lost art. There's plenty of hardworking men out there that I know that wake up every day, you know, whether they're concrete guys, steel workers, you know, pipe layers, whatever. There's a lot in East County. But yeah, yeah, but there's also a lot who have no clue. Yeah. You know, and (laughs) when it comes to real estate, I think it's like, it's a huge thing to touch base on. If you can't change like a leaky faucet or, Mm -hmm. you know, 
leaky pipes, whatever it, and you know, so that's what I showcase on my social media is being able to do that stuff and help my clients and to know like the actual property inside and out. You know what I mean? I feel like that. I mean, do you feel like you develop more of a relationship with those clients because you do kind of go far and beyond for them in those ways? Yeah. I've have picked up a couple of clients that have literally had nothing nice to say about real estate agents. Like, older generational people, you know, and not only that, I am like Whitney said, covered in tattoos. So that's a hard (laughs) thing to get to relate with somebody in that generation, older people. They just don't like tattoos. They don't believe in it. But Mm -hmm. I had, I've twice this year now, I've had people say, you've proved me wrong. I look at real estate in a totally different way. That's such an, like, you know, what's funny. Okay. So I'll share this. My dad's number one rule for me was no tattoos. Mm -hmm. And he even, he, you know, if you go ever go walk into any Nava store, all of our countermen are usually covered at one yeah. point or another, but he's, he, even me and him were even talking about that kind of stigma and that stereotype and how it really was a really, really old generational thing. And it actually came from his dad mm-hmm. and his dad was super huge on it. And now he's like, you know, it's funny because he's like, we were kind of raised to think this way. And now I'm kind of realizing people are people and it doesn't matter. And it's, it's such a stigma. It's such a stereotype. And now it's kind of starting to break finally, but it, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I can totally see that. It's crazy. I went to a listing appointment. Uh, I sold the house now, but I went to a listing appointment like two months ago and my client was 93 years old. She was just a ball of sass. <laughs> and she, uh, she like looked me up and down and she, she did not like what I was wearing that day. She didn't have a problem telling me. And I was wow. dressed up in a suit and she hated my socks I was wearing. And then she said, and what's up with your tattoos? I hate them. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I loved it. <laughs> and then she saw that I have biblical stuff on my body and it resonated with her because she was old school Catholic. And then wow. she changed her mind completely. And she started telling me that she liked them because she didn't know what my tattoos came from, what they were about. And as soon as she did, she like, changed her mind. I got the listing and sold it for more than what, Shut up. yeah. So in the end it was cool. I was able to change her mind a little bit, but I mean, now I think you like, look at that and that's, it's like such a cool point. Like you look so cool. And I feel like you probably draw in a lot of people are like, I want to work with him. He's cool. He's got a nice hair cut. He's got a nice suit <laughs> covered in tats. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, I've got all kinds of, you know, fancy stuff going on. My white patch of my hair, most people think I dye it. It's my birthmark. Yeah. I I think I did know that. Yeah. So I, you know, people always wanted to know what is with this guy? How hard is this guy really trying with tattoos? My (laughs) white patch in the middle of my head. (laughs) No, you got to look, you got a total look to you. I don't mean to, but no, I love it. So, okay. So we're, so you're starting out in this social media wave, but I mean, how do you feel like social media impacts your business? So being able to share, so my business, uh, real estate is based upon customer service and customer satisfaction. So for me, what I really focus on is showing my clients and showing people out there what I do, what I can do, Mm -hmm. what I know about real estate. And then also on a relational level, I post pictures of my family and Mm -hmm. things, you know, that I like to do that people kind of like, wow, this guy's a family, a family guy. You know, he works with his own hands. He built, you know, his own house. I try and document that kind of stuff. And then he also, you know, I am, I love helping people. So (laughs) 
as part of the reason why I got. Well, I mean, if you're estate. digging up septic tanks, I would hope so. <laughs> yeah, and I went to Guatemala earlier this year, and it was such like that's like a vacation for me is to be able to help somebody for free. I don't always have to make money, and like what's more fulfilling for me is showing people that, like mm-hmm. teaching people. Like we're all stuck in this crazy world of like I said earlier, selfishness. So there's so many people out there that need help that you don't know need help. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, people aren't going to ask you unless you show them or if you offer it. I love. So that. that's what I kind of focus on. You just have such a really, you have such a unique brand. I feel like in the way that, you know, I feel like you really are kind of setting a new tone for real estate agents. Because I think again, the stigma with real estate agents is kind of like the same stigma with like car salesman, right? Mm -hmm. It feels very inauthentic. It feels very sales forward, or at least that's the way that we view it. It can. Yeah, for sure. So I love the way that you're approaching this and you're also approaching it from a social media aspect and from this influence aspect of, look, you know, my job is to help you. My job is not necessarily, I mean, money does play a part. It's not necessarily to get the sale. It's more so to create that relationship and actually show you who I am and then get you what you need. I always try and touch base on that too, because uh, agents tend to get looked at to just be chasing the dollar. Like, you know, we can't, we can't help that our, you know, our industry, what it charges and what we, what we make, but nobody knows like how hard we actually work. Like Mm -hmm. there's a lot of opportunity in this world for anybody and in any industry. And you know that, you know, and a lot of people, real estate agents get to showcase it, I guess a little bit more. So we come off a little bit, I don't want to say braggy cause I'm not braggy, but flashy, I guess you would say yeah. it can be because mm-hmm. sometimes we have to be that way when we're going up to a million dollar listing. We, these millionaires that we work with, some of them, they want to see that we're confident enough for them to trust us with a million dollars. You know what I mean? So we can't just go there and be like, well, and just kind of half do it. It's not, you kind of, you kind of got to have your head up and, and show these guys, like I'm here to fight. Like, you know, so yeah, that's key for us. I mean, we can't, we can't help the stigmas. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I think that you guys are definitely taking a new approach to it and giving it a new, I like it. Yeah. So tell me about, you talked about, you know, you have this team, you talked about motivating this team. I want to hear, you know, some of this motivational speaking. I want to hear, you know, some business tips or some motivation that you can give some of our listeners. I motivate people through work, like (laughs) constant work. Like somebody in my office has been doing real estate for, you know, two or three times longer than me. He, he asked me to be like his, his motivational his, his, he wants me to hold him accountable, accountable for working. Mm -hmm. And I like, right when he said that to me, I'm like, what are you doing right now? And he's like, uh, like he didn't know what to say. I'm like, are you working right now? Oh, that's a, yeah, that's a big accountability. You know what I mean? And he's like (laughs) a big check. Well, I'm cleaning my garage out. I'm like, perfect. I'm like, these are the types of things that you need to be doing. Mm -hmm. And I do this with my sister too. Mm -hmm. My sister works for me or with me. I don't like to say for me. And then I also have an assistant, but for me, it's important to always have work on your mind. You can, you can live your life, you know, and implement everything else inside it. But for me, what keeps me motivated and the people around me motivated, even like my wife is I never stop. Mm -hmm. You know, there's always, 
there's always things you can do for, you know, fixing around your house. Like you want upgrades, like people want to spend all this money on upgrades. Why not just do it yourself? You know, teach yourself. You may make a mistake, but you're going to save yourself like five grand. You know, I've saved myself so much money on my house by keeping myself accountable by working 24 seven. And for all those new agents or even those young kids that are out there trying to hustle and don't really know how to keep that hustle going. Yeah. You always have to find something to do for work. Yeah. You know, calling people on your phone is working. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't care if you're calling to chit chat, but if you call somebody in your phone while you're driving to your next spot, talk to them about what you're what your goals are. What are you doing for work? What do you want from work? They're going to relay that to people. You know what I mean? Each person knows 10, 10 people at least that want to buy a house. So if it just spreads, it spreads like wildfire. That's how my business has gone off, you know? Wow. So So I love that you're kind of touching on this like multitasking aspect, but you're also you mean you're touching on networking, Mm -hmm. constant networking, like constant. I'm always, always, always on the phone. Mm-hmm. Even with my family, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I always talk to my mom. I'm like, mom, who do you have that wants to buy herself? <laughs> I, it's my mom. You know what I mean? I shouldn't have those conversations with my mom, but I also, you know, staying busy and showing people that you're constantly busy and working that motivates people, you yeah. know what I mean? And it motivates you. I have people all the time that reach out to me on my, on my social media, mostly new agents that mm-hmm. say, you encourage me so much to work. I'm so excited about this business. I love your twist on your business. And I just love how much you are Mm hands-on and that's something that's rare. So staying hands-on and even for women, like Mm -hmm. I tell my wife, she's like, can you do this for me? I'll do anything for her. Mm -hmm. But I always like to encourage her, like, try it yourself. I'll teach you how to do it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so she does. She, she's, (laughs) she's actually helped me do the whole landscape at our house. Like we haven't paid anybody to do it. Oh We've my gosh, done that's it a all. Big job. I know it is a big job. And how many acres is it? <laughs> yeah, four. <laughs> oh my gosh. But yeah. It, when you're constantly staying busy, I think the next question that comes to mind is: Do you ever experience burnout? And if you do, or how do you avoid it? No, I don't. I mean, there's times of like I'm super tired, mm-hmm. and my wife's like, "It was, it was, what was it? It was probably like eight thirty the other night," and I'm like. I came inside. I'm like, I'm tired. And I just, I was tired. Mm -hmm. I had been working all day mixing concrete because I had got home from work and I had stuff to do around the house. And she's like, just call it. I'm like, I won't, I've got to finish it. I've started it. (laughs) So if I ever feel a sense of burnout, I fight through it. Yeah. I don't stop. Yeah. There's so much more reward on the other side. Mm -hmm. I just have never been a huge advocate of quitting or picking up things you know, where I left it left off later. Absolutely. Always, you know, I know. Well, and I, I feel like I'm kind of the same way. I feel like it's one of those things where you, when you have idle hands, it almost makes you nervous. Or when you have a time or a space or a break, it almost makes you nervous. I kind of experienced that too. And I'm very goal oriented, Mm -hmm. right? So accomplishing it is the goal, right? It's, it's not, I, and most people are like, make it the journey. And I'm like, it's not about the journey. It's about the end and goal. And that's the way I am too. I'm the same way. I just got back from like a five days Sedona vacation with my family. So fun. And about like the first three days I was good. I let go day four and five. I was so antsy and I got into <laughs> a bad mood. And I, I even apologized to my oh. wife. I'm like, I 
I feel now I I've spent this time here and now I'm like built up because I haven't worked. Yeah. I, I told my wife next time we go and we stay at a hotel, get me a facilities job for the five days while I'm at the, <laughs> I'm at the hotel so I can work for a couple hours a day or something. I don't You're know. Crazy. That's a joke, but no, it's probably, it's, there's you know, a bit of truth in there. Yeah. Cause my job being away, my being a real estate agent takes you to be around, you know what I mean? Yeah. You can't really network while you're away. No, I could negotiate and do paperwork and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. No problem. But you know, finding new work is, you know, you kind of got to be where it's at. Yeah. Which is home. So who do you feel like was the biggest person of influence on you for starting your business and launch, you know, going into real estate for going into real estate? Mm-hmm. Who was somebody that you like looked up to? Dang. I don't know if I did. No, I really don't what think made I did you decide real estate. Sandra Brown. <laughs> Seriously, Sandra Brown. She's 80 years old. Talk about a ball of sass. She is a ball of sass. I love it. But she's like a straight up boss lady. Yeah. She is. Yeah. Oh, you make me want to interview her. Yeah. She's a boss. She was a manager at Sears for until she was 50. And then she decided to go into real estate at 50 years old. Whoa. And trust me, she went into real estate full force and she was making, you know, a lot of money. At over in her mid fifties, sixties, you know, she's 80 now, but in those, t- in that time, like she dude, nothing could stop her. So I love that about her. And that's why she ended up being my mentor in an overall, like, you know, work view. It was my dad. Yeah. You know, I always fall back on my dad. My dad is like, nobody can trump my dad's work ethic. I'm telling you right now. He will You're out- like me. I'm the same exact way about my dad, but yeah, dude, my dad will outwork any 21 year old kid. <laughs> if somebody hears this podcast and wants to call me out, I will put you up with my dad. My dad will seriously out handle out dig anybody that I yeah. freaking know. It's crazy. Dude. I feel the same way about my dad. My dad is it's that it is, it's that kind of good old boy, old school work ethic. It's a mentality. Yeah. Like my dad just did this. I I don't even know why he ended up doing this, but he has this place right out in Hopital and he decides he's going to build a pool and he's going to be the general contractor Yeah, and he's going to do everything himself. I don't think I've ever seen a pool built quicker in my entire life. And there was every problem in the book, permitting all this BS, everything. And he just had it, just had it done. And I like looked at him. Meanwhile, he's opening up four other stores, doing grand openings, doing car shows. And I was like, dude, like I get tired watching you and I'm, I'm 25. Talk about burnout, right? Yeah. (laughs) He doesn't, they don't get burnout. No. If they don't get it they're, if they don't work that much, yeah, it's miserable to be around people like that. Oh, if they don't have yeah. something going on, it's miserable to be around them. Yeah, it is. I'll right? have to tell you after this, I'll have to tell you a story about one time he decided he was going to retire. Yeah. And he actually, this is, this is actually in the making of Vegas marketing. So I was kind of doing my thing freelancing and he was going to retire and I was going to kind of start learning how to step in. And he's like, nah, can't do it. He goes, no, he goes, I want to, I want to take over the West coast. I'm like, all right, that's great. <laughs> that's awesome though. Right. Yeah. But he couldn't sit still. He hated it. It's funny. Cause our pastor at church, he had a sermon about retiring makes you die earlier. <laughs> <laughs> he he was like it. teaching the congregation not to retire. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Which but, I thought was cool because I'm sitting there like, yeah, I don't think I'll ever retire either, but no, it's true. Like if you don't yeah. use it, you lose it. No. And I, I kind of like this, you know, I mean, we're, again, we're in this generation now where everyone's saying that you got to have, you know, one or two jobs, right? It's no longer just one career. It's always like a couple jobs, right? Cause of the cost of living and whatever else. But now, you know, we're also seeing that they're saying, you know, retirement's getting prolonged later and later and later in life. And I was talking to my boyfriend about this and I was like, you know, even if I did retire early, you know, even if I somehow became a millionaire overnight, retired at 30, I was good to go. I was set for my life. I don't think I would stop working. No I, I think I would want to have my projects and my yeah. passions and things that excited me. Yeah. You know, I think if I did that, I, it would be like, I had this conversation with somebody too. I, I would, if I had enough money to retire, yeah, I would spend that time giving back. Cause that's what I like yeah, to do, but I yeah. can still work doing it. Yeah, totally. And there's so much need for that. Yeah. Oh, you know what I mean? I love that. Right. You're such a good human. No, I, it's not why I say that stuff. <laughs> I know. I know that's not why you say that, but you, I love it. I always think like there's just so much help needed out there. Dude, totally. Right. Yeah. So much. It kills me. I wish I could help them all, but I can't. <laughs> You're going to, I think you're going to end up helping a lot more than the usual person. We'll see. I love it. So let's go ahead and jump into some rapid fire. Okay. All right. Okay. We're going to start off with your, we call it like a self-love wellness practice. Like what's your go-to like self-love practice? Gym is one. Obviously prayer is great. Most importantly, I used to love riding my motorcycle, my dirt bike once a week and I sold it. I had shoulder surgery, but it's, oh. yeah, it's coming back soon. I just, I, that is like some good self time right there. You know, it's kind of funny. So I feel like, I mean, some people are from El Cajon that listen. Some people are from downtown or whatever, but you know, being a native from San Diego, mm-hmm. like born and raised in San Diego, I feel like downtown, there's a ton of transplants, right? They come mm-hmm. from all over. They want to live in downtown. No one really gets out to the East side. Like, and so I have, I constantly have people like ask me, like, you go to the desert? Like you what's out there? Bikes? Yeah. What? How did you get into that? And I'm like, bro, just, just come on down. You There's just a- said, bro, that's like, <laughs> right. That's my lingo. <laughs> like it's, it's great. I love that you do that, but I'm the same way, man. Anything that gets out and you know, outdoorsy camping. Yeah. Whatever, I, yeah. I love riding dirt bikes. It's nice. It's a nice little reset. Mm-hmm. Okay. What about your go-to cocktail or mocktail? Jalapeno margarita. Yeah. You know what's so funny? Everyone says that. They're really? Just, everyone on this podcast says that. Get the... There's only been one. There was like one girl and she was like, I like a bourbon. And I was like, what? Yeah. And she was like this totally cute little thing. And she said, like, I like a bourbon meat or something. I was no, like, oh no. I, or a cucumber margarita. Oh, cucumber's good. Yeah. Have you been to Costera? Have you had the margaritas Mm -hmm. in Costera? I haven't had the margarita, but I've been there. I've heard and I've seen on your story every time you go, there's a margarita in your hand. (laughs) Usually with Molly. (laughs) So there's this one and it's, you like mezcal. It's amazing. It's totally girly and pink. It has a tahine rim and it's a mezcal hibiscus margarita. And it's perfect. I'm going to go right now and get one. I know, right? Lunchtime. Perfect. Okay. What about your favorite reality TV show? I don't watch a lot of TV, but my wife forces me to watch The Bachelorette. 
and only because I get my back scratch at the nights that she gets to watch it. So there you go. The one I hate the most is the freaking Bachelor in Paradise because I think it's cheesy. It's it's and I can't stand every guy that's on the show. Makes me just want to pinch him. You know, I just can't handle it. It's it's just like one of those shows where it's like I'd honestly rather watch Jersey Shore than Bachelor. Please, (laughs) because at least they're real about yeah about what's happening yeah but as far as shows go that's the only reason why i watch that show uh-huh. is because uh my wife but other than that i don't watch I any it. really tv so i love it what about some of your favorite podcasts that you're listening to honestly i the only ones that i will listen to sometimes is joe rogan he's amazing yeah i love him he's open and not biased and no so and he's you know what i love about him is like he gets so deep intellectually yeah almost the point where you think he's like tripping out yeah like i but i love people like that like i love when people are able to go so deep or process or think about yeah concepts and the cool way. thing is like uh, half the time i don't have the same belief as him but yeah. i like to hear what he has to say i'm, I'm kind of or the same ask he asks really nice good questions you know what i mean yeah. so that's awesome when you're a when you're an interviewer and you ask the right questions it's like super engaging. It so. is. And I, I think you're totally right. He's, he's just very interesting to listen to. Yeah. Even when he is asking somebody else questions, mm-hmm. you're still kind of waiting to hear what Joe has to say. Yeah. You know? I don't know why. I mean, I bought that freaking so right thing that he's been advertising. <laughs> so get out of I here. love it. Yeah. I love it. Okay. Um, what about somebody that is like your favorite business owner? Favorite business owner. Does it matter what? No, it doesn't matter. Darn it. I have to think about that because I don't really know of my favorite business owner. Or what about somebody that's like a person of influence, like your favorite person of influence? Um, I have several. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. My dad falls in that category. One of my my pastors does. This, mm-hmm. you know, the type of man he is, the type of, the, the, type of, the way he deals with certain situations, I, I kind of ask for guidance in that. And, uh, you know, business owners, I would say we're owned by Warren Buffett. I obviously love how he runs Berkshire Hathaway. Yeah. He kills it. He's smart. Man. You know what I mean? I read He's somewhere not in debt. that he uh, reads, I can't remember. He, I can't remember the number of books he reads in a year, but it was something like he reads 30 minutes a day and he like has it on his schedule to read 30 minutes a day. It doesn't matter what he just reads 30 minutes a day. Yeah. I don't, I don't have the brain power for that. I don't, I'm trying so hard. My goal this year is I'm trying to get through like four books and I've actually started doing audiobooks Cause I, I don't have the patience to sit down and read. Mm-hmm. Like I just get too like, I'm too ADD. I read eight pages and then I have to go back and reread pages <laughs> because like I don't skinny. remember what it was. <laughs> I, you know, it's, it's hard to, especially when you're reading like business you get all these ideas and you start thinking about your company and what you could be doing. And then all while sudden, you're reading, while you're reading, yeah. and it's so hard. It's, I think that's like my biggest struggle is trying to tell my mind to shut off and actually read what's in front of me. Right. Yeah. No, trust me. I know I'm not a reader either. I can't. It's hard <laughs> okay. And you know, we're going to end on this question. This is the question I ask everybody on the show, but what does influence mean to you? I guess it's a form of leadership to me. Mm. it's, and I guess being a mentor also, I mean, an influencer is somebody who can guide people's ways, maybe thoughts, maybe actions, Mm. but ultimately share things about their life that could help motivate people in theirs. I think that's what an influencer 
deep down inside is trying to do is yeah. share their life. Hopefully it can make a change in somebody else's. So I think that's, I like that. I like you know, that you said to make a change in somebody else's life. Yeah. I feel like that's a real impact. I think so. I think it does though. Mm-hmm. Truly. Absolutely. You know, Chase, you've been so awesome. It's been so rad to sit down and hear your story and just hear how you work. Where can people find you on social media? And- you mostly on my Instagram. I'm not a huge uh, social media person besides that, but chase.cromwell on Instagram and then chase Cromwell at Facebook. And then our website is cromwellhomegroup.com. I love it. All right, guys. So, you know, if you're ready to sell or buy, he's your guy. I'm your guy. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks so much for going under the influence. Thank you, Whitney.